And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys had a fantastic weekend. Um, I had a, a nice, relaxing weekend fishing up at the cabin, and then I get back uh, last night to all of this. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I was joined by my good friend, Remzo Martinez. Always a great time talking to Remzo. Uh, we discussed the latest with the fall of Afghanistan uh, to the Taliban, uh, the botched evacuation, which is ongoing, and the President of the United States going AWOL throughout the entire process. Um, yeah, it's a little somber today. Um, not, not as much uh, joking around as, as I usually like, but uh, it is what it is. Um, yeah, before I get to Remzo, guys, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to subscribe. And if you are on iTunes, uh, please take a few seconds to give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate that. And if you like the show and want to get involved, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the NoGimmicksPodcast. All right, without further ado, the great Remzo Martinez. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Remzo Martinez. Remzo, how you been, man? Another Monday, another day. It's, uh, you know, I, I always wish, it's like when Brady invites me on, can it be under some, like, nice circumstances? I feel like he only calls me when, like, something really bad has happened. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like, I mean, you're on the podcast every couple months, and it's like, I don't, I, there's not a lot of positivity going on right now, man. Like, I... I don't know. One of these days we need to do an episode where we only talk about the positive stuff going on. I got the printer in my office to finally hook up to my laptop after three months. So wow. that's miraculous. a, I mean that I know no one gives a shit about that, but that does mean a lot to me personally. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so look, man, I'm going to try to remain calm um, and rational on the podcast today. No, no promises, but I, I, I promise I'll, I'll do my best. Um, just catching anybody up in, in case, Somebody's living under a rock. Over the weekend, Afghanistan fell to the Taliban. Most of the Afghan army threw down their rifles and surrendered. Yesterday, Kabul fell, and the Afghan president fled the country. We're now attempting to get all of our people out, which is not going great. Apparently, we're not going to be able to evacuate most of the Afghans who assisted the U.S. military. Uh, Joe Biden has been silent since Thursday. VP Harris and White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki are both off the grid as well. So that is where we are right now. I mean, did, did it really fall when the Afghan National Army and the president just kind of gave it away? Uh, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Mark Milley, said one month ago that the Afghan army was fully prepared to defend their country against the Taliban. Joe Biden obviously echoed that as well. I mean, either the Pentagon are a bunch of liars, and and they knew the whole time what was going to happen, uh, or they're the dumbest people on the face of the earth. I mean, there's only two options. These people are, are just degenerate liars. Or U.S. intelligence is completely worthless and incompetent. I mean, either way is ter- either proposition is terrifying. I mean, you know, Mark Milley was too busy studying white rage to figure out how to get everyone out out of Afghanistan. So I mean, his priorities were a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I I don't know I don't know how this was allowed to unfold the way it did, and I, I don't know how I mean you you have to assume that they knew. 
you have to assume that the, the Pentagon knew that the Afghan army wasn't up to the job. I mean, it, it, apparently it's a, a not so uh, well kept secret uh, just throughout the ranks in the military that how inept these guys were. Um, I mean, they, they had to, they had to, have, there's no way you can spend 20 years training this army and not know that they're incompetent. There's, there's no, no I mean, way. I mean, the desertion rates have been a problem since like 2005, 2006, when we really had them like, you know, actually going out and doing shit when we would have their, those little puff pieces where it's like Afghan national army takes down Taliban stronghold and, and all that stuff where we would basically do all the work, but then we would put them like, you know, with, with a few machine guns, and a few dead bodies and then we would tell the world, oh, yeah, the Afghan National Army did this wink. I mean, they, they have they had such a high desertion rate that, you know, if you weren't just actively running away, you were usually ending up like, you know, fighting for the Taliban or you just died somehow. I mean, this has been this has been a sham army since since the beginning. And I mean, there were. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to say there weren't some periods where it's like, you know, they're actually seeming like they, they're building some confidence. But it was always, you know, with, with with the mindset that, well, you know, we might be charging right now, but it's the U.S. Army um, and ISAF like backing us up. So how can we really lose? So but, when when they basically fell apart yesterday, um, I mean, really, they like whole whole units are just like missing like no one no one is talking nobody is is hearing anyone like it's it's absolutely um you know ridiculous when libertarians like Ramzo and I talk about nation building and why nation building is wrong and it doesn't work i mean it's like just practically speaking i mean not even talking about the the, the evils of of nation building but the afghan army was 300,000 strong 300,000 men they were trained and armed by the U.S. military for 20 years. I mean, the the Taliban has about 90,000 fighters. I mean, the Afghan army outnumbered them more than, better than three to one. They had better weapons and technology than the Taliban. And they collapsed immediately. I mean, it was within 24 hours. They didn't even put up any 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 form of resistance. It just Nation building can't work. It just doesn't work. I mean, from a practical application standpoint, it doesn't work. It's impossible. If men don't want to defend their own countries, we can't make them. Like, I, I'm sorry. We took these 300,000 guys, we gave them M16s, and we gave them tanks, and we gave them vehicles, we gave them weapons, we trained them, and they give up within a day. Nation building isn't going to work anywhere, but it was never going to work in a place like Afghanistan. Afghanistan doesn't even have a national identity. I mean, this yeah, is I mean, the, the it... arrogance, the arrogance of the foreign policy establishment for the last 20 years. is. I had, I had more faith in, in Afghanistan than I did Iraq. I always thought the the key to both was balkanization at one point. But, I mean, with Afghanistan, I mean, people need to remember it was not too long ago that they were a thriving, you know, I I would call it a secular liberal society for the most part. And people still have a really strong memory of that. I mean, in in 2018, 2019, we're sitting down with with an Afghan uh, businessman. He He owns a tile company here in the United States. In the early 2000s, he was a translator uh, for the U.S. forces, and he was fighting with the Northern Alliance um, against the Taliban to push him out. I mean, the, these were the guys on horseback with AKs, you know, that had at one point been fighting with the Taliban in the 80s to push back the Russians. And then when the Taliban was really, you know, um, r- really 
controlled by the Mujahideen and everything else. They're like, you know, well, well, this 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 has to end at some point. We'll fight with the Americans, and like those people, like you know, the Afghans. There, I, I mean, I, I I never served in Iraq. I never served in Afghanistan, but I met enough people who went there, and I met enough Iraqis and Afghans through one way or another, where it's like there was always a difference. Like with with Afghanistan, they were the Afghanis remembered that for the most part. Even the young, even even the more like millennial Afghanis, um, they at least had this idea of what it was like before the Taliban that they were told from their parents. Whereas the Iraqis, they they never had that. I mean, uh, it, it was always one of those situations where it's like you know I, I would rather go ahead and put more resources into building up Afghanistan than Iraq at this point. But, uh, you know, like what you said, you can't you can't make weak men courageous. And the fact that the president of Afghanistan literally just said, YOLO, I'm out. Um, I mean, that is like it, it's one of these situations where it was never going to be clean. Yeah, I mean, my, my heart really breaks for them. And everyone I don't think anyone was under the assumption that the Taliban was ever going to keep a promise that they made. But, um, you know, this was always going to be a bad day. And honestly, it's it's almost a reckoning for everyone involved. I mean, I'm pretty sure Dick Cheney went quail hunting this past weekend. Uh, I want to say that really the only way I'm I'm adversely affected right now is the fact that my Booz Allen Hamilton stock dropped a few dollars. Other than that, <laughs> I'm kind of just looking at this thing thinking, ah, you know, it was it was going to happen eventually, like whether it's, you know, tomorrow a year from now, 20 years from now, it was, it, it was never going to work. And it was, I don't, know, I don't know what else to say. It's just, it's shitty. Exactly. And it was always going to be ugly. The Taliban were probably always going to regain control of, of, of the government in Afghanistan. Um, especially knowing now that, you know, now we're assuming that the generals have been lying about the, the strength of the Afghan army all this time. But it's like, man, these these idiots—they can't even end a war. They can't even end a war correctly. They can't win a war. They can't end a war. I mean, after twenty disastrous years, this war ends in the most disastrous way possible. I mean, like, I can't. We we needed to pull out. Should have pulled out decades ago. I mean, obviously, this this the longest war in American history. We have absolutely nothing to show for it. Went on for twenty years too long, in my opinion. But how was there not? a plan in place to get not only our people out, but the Afghans that assisted the U.S. military, the people that are going to die now more than likely. They're going to be lined up and shot. Generals, it's it's the job of a general to sit around all day and plan stuff. Generals make plans for a living. That's what they get paid to do. How? How would you just withdraw all troops without any plan to get our own people and our allies out of there? I mean, it's Uh, it's mind-boggling to me. I mean, there, there's that uh, there's that old political science theory, Occam's razor. The most obvious answer, the mo- the simplest one, is usually the the correct one, despite how it may seem. Um, the Afghan translators were never a priority for us. Uh, none of the none of the contractors, none of the um, you know Afghan um, uh, citizens that were working with ISAF and with the United States and with the whole NATO coalition that was there, they they were never a priority. We, the reason why we're leaving them behind is because we never wanted to bring them back to begin with. There was never a priority. Um, there was a friend of mine. He was an artillery officer from 2014 through 2017 in Afghanistan. He did about 15 months there outside Kabul. And 
you know, he, he was, he, he wasn't even doing artillery shit. He told me I went there to blow things up half the time. I was trying to teach people how to build a well. And, um, he had about, uh, two translators that worked with him the entire time. And, and the policy for the U S military is you're not allowed to keep in contact with your translator after you're, you're gone after that. Yeah. Uh, you're not allowed to do that, but for some, somehow he was able to, um, keep in contact with his translator and he, he had some guys uh, that he served with who ended up going back to Afghanistan recently as civilian defense contractors. And, um, you know, when, when he heard about everything going down last Thursday night, he wondered, Oh God, how soon until the Taliban finds them and kills them. And he heard from, you know, his, his buddy the next day, it took them four hours. It took them four hours to, uh, to find them. And then they were shot in public. I mean, uh, it's, it's one of the situations where we, we don't have, a really great track record of really protecting our allies or even just following through with that. Not, not to say that we don't, I mean, I'm in Milwaukee right now. Uh, Wisconsin has one of the largest uh, Hmong populations in the United States. The Hmong people were, uh, were, were indigenous Vietnamese tribe that, you know, worked with the South Vietnamese and the, and the U S advisors during Vietnam. And because the Viet Cong were going to come in and annihilate them, um, I think it was the Nixon administration that actually brought them back to the United States and they were relocated to Wisconsin, Minnesota, and I, I think, uh, I think Indiana as well. But, you know, I mean, look, look at the, look at the dentist that helped us capture Osama bin Laden. He's sitting in a Pakistani prison. Yeah. I mean, Obama didn't do shit for him. Trump didn't do shit for him. Uh, I mean, people don't even remember his name. And I know it's sad because I don't even remember his name, but I know that man took down one of the biggest supervillains of the 21st century, and he's he's sitting in he's sitting in prison. So I mean, let, let's let, let's stop thinking that you know maybe there wasn't a plan. I think there was a plan the entire time, and the plan was to leave them because their lives don't matter. They were expendable from the beginning, and they're expendable now. And, um, you know, that's, that's just, that's just how it is. Makes me sick. Yeah. I, I don't really yeah, have I mean, anything I, to I, add. I, it's just yeah, like shame. I'm, I'm done. I'm done pretending that they, that they had good intentions to begin with. I generally don't believe they did. Our government has just once again covered themselves in shame. I mean, 20 years, these people fight alongside us and this is, this is how they get it. This is how they meet their end after 20 years. And I don't know who would ally themselves with the United States at this point. I mean, my goodness. I mean, <laughs> who would fight? Who would fight alongside the U.S. military right now? I mean, these guys are sitting ducks right now. They're being lined up and shot as we speak. When the when the time comes that we need to fight a legitimate war for a legitimate reason, we're gonna be fighting alone, man. We're gonna be fighting alone. It'll be us and our big bad buddies, the Canadians and the British, <laughs> against God knows what. But like, who, yeah. would, who would fight alone? I mean, my goodness. What are you thinking right now? I mean, I'm not, look, if Ron China, Paul if, was if, right, if, man, like that's course, all I can say. Of Ron course, Paul Ron Paul was right. Was right. Absolutely, a hundred percent. And look, when, I, China, I when, when China wants to take Taiwan, China's gonna take Taiwan, and there's not a darn thing we can do about it. But if you're sitting in Taiwan right now, what are you thinking? I mean, we let Russia take Crimea. I mean, you know, there th- this idea that. American foreign policy somehow got strengthened over the last couple of years. All Trump was doing was trying to bring our military back up to the levels it was prior to Obama in terms of where to actively get involved. He showed a lot of restraint, but at the same time, I think we need to understand that um, the, the the new the, the new empire is not going to to be enforced by 
gunpoint of American rifles. The the new empire is this neo is this neoliberal conglomerate of people that are going to allow bigger nation states to just go around taking whatever they want as long as you know the the billionaire class can go ahead and get a pipeline through somewhere. And I mean, when that happens, you know, Hunter Biden's going to be on top of that. But really, I mean, I think I think in order for that to happen, though, as much as I never like the fact that we've got hundreds of bases around the world, um, th- this th- this new role for America is that we're going to instead of enforcing our doctrine overseas, we're going to empower dictators and we're going to weaken our allies and we're going to become a bigger threat at home than we are overseas. Because I hate to say it, man. The U.S. federal government has done more to negatively impact my life than the Taliban ever did. 100%. I mean, that that's not something I feel comfortable saying. I love America. I always want to see us on top. I always want to see us in a good position. But, I mean, when I really look at, like, I mean, the Taliban didn't even attack us on 9-11. No. We, we knew that. They, they, were, they, were, they were a safe haven for terror cells such as al-Qaeda. But then again, let's really look at who created al-Qaeda. It wasn't until the Bush administration overthrew Saddam, and then we needed to justify more of our existence there, that we, we boosted al-Zarqawi's name recognition that established AQI. I mean, we need to accept also the fact that, you know, we enabled al-Qaeda to become as strong as it did because we needed something to cover us for the failure in Iraq. And then, you know, when, when Zarqawi was um, killed in 2006, and then the surge and everything else, we had al-Baghdadi who created ISIS, and then what we did was we enabled ISIS to exist because we didn't like Assad, but you know we also didn't like Gaddafi because he was going to put Libya on a gold standard and uh, you know say no to OPEC and everyone else. So what he ends up doing is uh, saying to Hillary, hey, I think we need to go ahead and smuggle guns through Libya, but hey, we have to take care of this Libyan government first. So then we go ahead and we create the Arab Spring, and, and I mean, yeah, the rest is history. I know I'm kind of just rambling, but no, like, I mean, it goes back, that, it goes, this, it goes yeah, back I mean, further this, than that. I mean, it goes yeah, back I mean, further that, than that. In the 70s, we armed and trained the guys that became the Taliban and al-Qaeda. You know, yeah, we were... I mean, this is just, this is a hundred years of, of just outright bullshit. Yeah. A fool's errand. That's how Scott Norton put <laughs> it. Um, I mean, my goodness. I hope he's selling hundreds of thousands of copies of that book right now. And I, and I hope uh, he never has a reason to write another one. That's what yeah. I hope. The U.S. Air Force is now bombing our own gear to keep it out of the hands of the Taliban. Um, U.S. Air Force bombing the U.S. Army. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what we're doing, man. That's what you and I are, are paying for. There, there's um, literally only one positive thing that came out of this. I saw a photo this morning of a, of a whole bunch of, um, they, they looked like Green Berets. They were going in and they were making sure that every U.S. service dog was was brought back alive. Yeah, I'd rather bring back those uh, Afghan translators personally, but um, you know, dogs are cool, I guess. I mean, I got, I got, I got a wave of pros on this one. In, in <laughs> Vietnam, what we did was we left the dogs behind. At least we're bringing the dogs back. Like you know, that's such a bare minimum standard. It's like you know, it's it, it's absolutely ridiculous. But it's okay though, because what's going to happen is Mark Milley. Um, I, I'm pretty sure whoever who, who who's the guy who's speaking for um. For, net, for national security, he he was uh, he he did the press conference the other day where he's like, we don't know what's happening. Oh, that, that was dude, the, the all these guys. That was the NSA. All these guys. Yeah, are, yeah, like all these guys are just gonna get 
um, you know, CNN contributorship positions. They might get a column at the Washington Post. They'll be invited to Harvard and Georgetown to, to do lectures on U.S. foreign policy and national security. And then they'll write some books and their lives go on. I mean, you know, there, there's this there, there's this real there, there's this real cynicism when I look at it. But it's like, you know, uh, I, I get the whole mindset of, oh, we have to fight them there. So we didn't fight them here. Maybe that was relevant during the beginning stages of the of the global war on terror. But like, you know, let, let's let's really look at this. Like we're, we're really lucky that, you know, people are going to look at this and they're going to say, oh, no, then they're going to go turn on their TV to something else. I mean, we've got two oceans between us, hundreds of thousands of miles between us and, you know, another geopolitical threat. Um, I mean, there, there's a reason why Russian, why, why the Russian people after World War II really had a, like a personal hatred for the United States. It's that while we held parades and stuff like that, they were having to go out and find lost family members to see who survived. Yeah. So like, you know, it's one of these situations where it's like, it's just like that again. I, I still know people. I know people I went to high school with who were like, oh, we still had people in Afghanistan. And, and then, you know, I bring up Iraq and they're like, no, Obama pulled forces out of Iraq in, in 2012. And I'm like, no, he just pulled out uh, primary combat forces. Do you know that there are more um, there, there are more defense contractors in Iraq than any other country in the world? Second, maybe only to um, uh, Somalia per capita. In fact, there are actually more defense contractors in Iraq than I think there are Iraqis in Iraq. I might be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure that's also the case. Like, you know, we, we, we never leave. We, we, never, we, we never look back and think, oh, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe we should try something different. But, I mean, that's also the failure of U.S. foreign policy. We were never going to establish a liberal democracy in Iraq, we were never course, going to establish a not. liberal democracy in Afghanistan. Of this not. idea that we can go ahead and push our own worldview onto people who see the world in a lens that isn't just different from ours; it's alien to it's, ours. It's diametrically opposed to ours. It's yeah, it's yeah. it's other. It's alien. That's alien is probably the best way to put it. I mean, the, the George Bush line, you know, all men want to, want to be free. That's absolutely ridiculous. That's not a lie. Yeah. I mean, I'm mean, sorry. That's not true. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's not even true not in the true. United States. I mean, look, half the U S population is begging Anthony Fauci to force them to stay in their own houses. It's, you know what I mean? Like, no, trust me, not every man wants to be free. So right, right before, um, right before we started recording, uh, it came out that Joe Biden is going to address the nation at three forty-five PM today. Um, Obviously, he's been radio silent since Thursday. I mean, people, people are like, "Is is the president of the United States alive? Is this, he is this dude alive?" Yeah, I mean, really, yeah. I, I I don't. And and VP Harris has been, you know, incognito. Uh, Jen Psaki abruptly said last night, or came out last night, that she was going on vacation this week, just going off the grid. And it's like I, I can't remember. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, man, but I I can't remember another instance like this where there's this, you know, the world burning down. And like an entire administration just goes AWOL for several days. I mean, like I can't remember anything like this happening ever. I mean, there there was Bush and Katrina, but even when you really look at the response, it wasn't even Bush's fault for ignoring it. It was the fact that the governor of Louisiana literally told everyone that things weren't as bad, and they picked up all his shit and ran out of state. Yeah. 
So then when people were, were waiting for Bush, Bush was just like, I'm just waiting for the governor to tell me what's going on. So, I mean, it wasn't even his fault with that, um, you know, with, with this. I mean, you know, th- this time about last year was when the George Floyd riots were going on and people were outside the White House trying to tear down the gates and CNN was like, where is the president? Where is he? And, you know, all the CNN contributors were tweeting out hashtag bunker babe or bu- I'm sorry, bunker baby, bunker bitch. And it's like, you know, Biden, Biden, I see that around. But it's like, you know, this isn't even about Biden. I see Republicans taking a victory lap and stuff. And I think what's going to happen at that conference today is that he's going to say that this is all Trump's fault and that he tried to do everything he can and things aren't as bad as they look. And then, you know, nothing's going to change. I mean, I was talking to somebody today. They were like, hey, what's your opinion on Afghanistan? I'm like, hey, man, don't worry. Um, You know, the CIA is not going to let somebody else get involved in their opium trade. I mean, yeah. like, who will help traffic the children without the Afghan National Army? And besides, do you think Lockheed Martin want, wants to have a, you know, wants to have a period where they're where they're not trying to figure out new ways to go ahead and bomb people? I mean, we'll be there in like, you know, 10, 20 years, maybe. I mean, yeah. just don't yeah. don't even worry. We're going back because the, we ra- don't- the racket, the racket will continue. I mean, the racket will continue. Too yeah. many, too many pockets need to be filled. You know, I'm a I'm afraid that the timing. My my friend Andrew Donaldson pointed this out right before we started recording. Um, the timing of Biden when when he says he's going to address the nation. That's 15 minutes after midnight cobble time. Um, obviously, the fact that our guys weren't getting killed at the the Kabul airport these last 48 hours or so means that we had a deal in place with the Taliban, um, a certain amount of days or hours to evacuate everybody. Um, the timing of Biden addressing the nation, obviously th- this could, could be wrong, but it seems to me that that means it's all over at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time today. Um, that's probably the deadline the Taliban gave us. Biden's probably going to say that we got all of, all the Americans out and left all the Afghans uh, who uh, who were, were seeking refugee status behind. I think that's what's going to happen, and I think all those oh, people yeah. are going I, to die. I have a feeling he's going to use the term essential personnel. Yeah. Yeah. And when when they ask him, well, what about, you know, these people? What about those people? He's going to say we got out all essential personnel, which meant they're, they're not essential. And that what what that means is we left all of our allies to be slaughtered. Yeah, um, like, I, I interviewed. Like... Um, yeah, I interviewed. Um, uh, I think her name was Holly McKay. She's a former Fox News reporter who covered Iraq, Syria, Afghanistan and uh, parts of North Africa. And I mean, she's um, she's Australian by birth, but she's lived a majority of her life in the United States. And she spent like five, six years just literally being a correspondent from the Middle East throughout all this. And um, at one point she told me how she smuggled herself from Iraq into Syria during the initial stages of the Syrian civil war. And she was like, oh, you know, it wasn't that it wasn't that hard. I, I just had to pay off some fishermen to send me up river to Syria. And the only time I ever got nervous was when all the bodies started floating down from the river from a recent execution. Other than that, it was, it was pretty relaxing. And I just kind of paused for a minute. I'm like, I'm sorry, did you say there were bodies floating down the river? And she's like, Oh yeah. And, um, you know, she, she kind of laughed for a second. She's like, I'm sorry. I, I understand. It sounds crazy as somebody that's not really hearing this, but you got to understand I'm so desensitized by all the mass murder and violence and inhumanity I've seen over the past decade and a half. And uh, I I think that's almost how it is. Like I saw a photo 
I'm sorry, I saw a video today uh, that was taken from yesterday at the Kabul airport of people yeah. climbing onto a C-17. And right as it took off the runway, you see a man who was on top of a wing fall to the ground. And everyone's just kind of standing there. And you see all, all these Iraqi men, which I was curious about because I didn't see any men or women. Um, they're all just kind of looking around and then they're they're running after other things. And to a large degree, I was like, really, no one's going to run over and help that man. They, they all just kind of look at this and now they're running for other stuff. And, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, these people, they, they they're just so accustomed to it. Their only instinct is survival. Yeah, that's all that matters. And I want everybody to to look up that video and don't let yourself become desensitized. I mean, this is this is what happens. Like, <laughs> It's funny, man. People will will describe the war in Iraq as a as a foreign policy blunder. That that's like that's a that's a term that people will use on TV, right? A foreign policy blunder. Bitch, five hundred thousand people died. It's like what, like what what are these terms that we a foreign a, a mistake? No, like leaving your car keys at home is a mistake. Locking yourself out of the car, but that's a mistake. You forget to buy your wife flowers on your anniversary. That's a mistake. Oh, I mean, I'll, I'll try I mean, to like a what? larger number. It's 38 million people. 38 million displaced. people have been either, yeah, I mean, killed or displaced. That The death number is is attributed, usually we attribute it to just who the Taliban and Al-Qaeda killed. When we look at the lives lost in general from us, from them, from people who died of starvation who wouldn't have otherwise starved, from people who died of malnourishment and disease who would have otherwise been alive, from the number of people that have had to flee um, I mean, 38 million people. I mean, how many 9-11s is that? And for all these people who are like, well, we could never let it happen again. It's like, yeah, but like we we allowed it to kind of continue for 20 plus years. Like how how many like how much is enough? How much is enough? I, mean, I, I want to know who made the decision, whether it was Mark Milley, whether it was Joe Biden, who made the decision that we weren't going to attempt to get our allies out of Kabul. Who made that? Who made that decision? And like you said, it's probably Mark Milley or somebody like that. And he's gonna write a bunch of books and make a bunch of money and, and go on CNN all the time and stuff like that. When he should be in prison. I, I mean, you know, I mean, Hillary like, Clinton left. How, how, I mean, what happened to all the people who let Ambassador Chris Stevens die? Yeah. And everyone yeah. else in Benghazi. I mean, it yeah. just comes down to who is important in the moment. And Chris Stevens, I believe, he was left to die by the the Clinton State Department and by the Obama administration because Chris Stevens and his own correspondences through the CIA and through the Department of State was essentially saying what we're doing here, running guns to Syria to these, you know, moderate militants is wrong. Like this is illegal. Like we are engaged in illegal activity Tre- and treasonous, rights treasonous, violations. Like this treasonous is behavior. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and, and as soon as as soon as he dared bring that up and put that in a memo um, you know, we, we left him there to die. Another foreign policy blunder. Yeah, just uh, just a little boondoggle. Oops. I mean, the, the flippant manner in which these people talk about foreign policy. And I mean, I guess, like, it's not just the leadership, too. I mean, it is everybody. I mean, if you just look at Twitter, it's like, you know, even you and I probably sound a lot more flippant than we should, you know. But it's like... It, it, all, it all comes from a place of hurt, for me, at least. I mean... I remember uh, when I was training to be an officer, my, my first year in the Army, we were doing a class on, I don't remember what it was, but, you know, we were talking about Afghanistan. And, um, you know, I brought up a point. It's like, you know, maybe when we invade a country, uh, it's as offensive to the people there as it would be to us. 
And it's like, how many people went ahead and picked up guns for the Taliban today who weren't there because they wanted to establish an Islamic state or they wanted Mujahideen rule, but because, you know, their whole lives have just been upended and they see this as the only way to stop. And they'd rather work with the people that speak their language and know where they're from versus these foreign invaders. I remember somebody, you know, another another soldier speaking up. He's like, that's some, you know, that's some anti-American stuff right there, man. And I'm like, how's that anti-American? You know what creates a lot of terrorists? Let's say in Iraq, the people that become Al-Qaeda and ISIS. I don't know. You blockade Iraq for several years in the 90s, starving hundreds of thousands of women and children to death. I mean, it's like, my goodness, our actions have consequences. My goodness. That's all I got, man. We can we can wrap here. I, uh, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't say nothing at all since I am a podcast host. But um, I mean, may, may God have mercy on the soul pray. of George W. Bush, Barack Obama, Dick Cheney, Colin Powell, John Kerry, um, Marie Harf. Uh, everybody. I think the only clean person in the entire you know bureaucratic state the past like two decades was Chuck Hagel, who was the sec- Secretary of Defense for less than a year uh, in Obama's second term. And when Chuck Hagel was like, you know, maybe we're, we're not doing the right thing. Maybe we should kind of stop this bullshit. He was he was he was ousted by Obama, the peacemaker, because he dared utter peace. And just so, pray I mean, for these I, people. Pray for the pray for all of our allies in Afghanistan that they can make it out somehow. I don't know who can give them res- refugee status in the, in the region, but I mean, it's going to get ugly. It, it already is. It, it's already ugly, but um, it's going to get worse. Yeah, sorry to go to straight to the plugs, but <laughs> so, it's kind of awkward. But where can everybody follow you? Check out your uh, two podcasts and keep yeah, in touch and all that good stuff. Yeah, I've got On the Run new episodes every Monday and Thursday. It's On the Run with Remzo W. Martinez. I've got Second Print Comics. If you want a break from the news every Wednesday, it's secondprintcomics.com. And you can go ahead and banner with me back and forth on Twitter at Hey Remzo. Everybody follow Remzo. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks.